Welcome to the Teachers Who Quit podcast, the number one podcast for teachers who quit or really want to. And I'm your host, Tierney, your ex-teacher bestie. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the show, Angel. I'm so excited to have you on the Teachers Who Quit podcast to kick us off. Love it if you would just go ahead and introduce yourself briefly. All right. My name is Angel Troxler. I have been in education for over a decade um, in multiple ways, but I've been a lead teacher for eight years. Um, And last June, actually, I resigned in August. August 2021 is when I threw in the tail. Love that. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. And tell me where you're based. I'm in Charleston, South Carolina. Okay. Awesome. Never been there before, but you know, I'm over here in Texas, Houston specifically. And so you taught over in Charleston, your entire teaching career. No, I actually started in Baltimore. Um, Very, very different. I worked at a non-public um, school. Then I switched over to a title one self-contained special ed classroom. (laughs) Very interesting. Um, decided to go to grad school and get my master's in education and then decided to actually be the teacher instead of just the para or the teacher assistant. Got you. Okay. So where did you decide to go for grad school? Goucher. It's loved the school. It was expensive, but it was a liberal college, but it was, it was a vibe. I mean, in my, all my instructors were great. Um, it was a little scary cause I'm a little older. I went to grad school. I was 30. And so it was like, you know, a new adventure for me and going back to school after being out for over a decade was, was frightful, but it was, it was interesting cause I had a different take on the courses because like I like to say, I was grown. <laughs> Got you. Okay. So what exactly was your master's in? Like, did you have a specific focus? Was it an admin track or tell us a little bit more? No, it was teaching because my undergrad was in sociology. Little did I know it, it was a degree in nothing. It was like, it helps me as a person, but you don't really get jobs with a sociology degree. Um, so my master's was in teaching and then I was certified in special ed in elementary. Got you. Okay. So you're an elementary girl like me. So um, you mentioned Baltimore. So I went to Johns Hopkins for my uh, mm-hmm. master's. Okay. And so my master's was in educational studies with a concentration in elementary education. So I love elementary. Elementary is my favorite. Um, What grade levels did you teach? Well, in Baltimore, I was in middle school. Bless, bless, bless. Um, So I had, it was mostly seventh, which bless. Um, but I did work with sixth and eighth graders, eighth graders. I adored, like it was, it was a nice take cause we could have real conversations and they weren't really sensitive. Like I found that sixth grade being in middle school for one, when I was in school, middle school, seventh and eighth. So sixth graders being in middle school, they're just so sensitive, but like they want to be grown. So it was, 
And then yes. seventh grade, it's it's the hormone explosion. I don't. I feel like even the greatest children in seventh grade, you need to pray over. They're just going through stuff. One hundred percent on that. Okay, I laugh about you saying that. Um, because like I was saying before we started the recording, last year was my last year teaching, and so I was in sixth grade. That was my first rodeo in middle school. Okay. And that was considered middle school. It was a sixth, seventh, and eighth grade campus mm-hmm. public school title one. And before that, um, I was only in elementary. I did upper L. So I did third, fourth, fifth, and I loved fifth grade. Um, fourth grade was probably my favorite, but I loved fifth grade. And boy, when I tell you those fifth graders, when they go to sixth grade, they're they turn into something a little bit different. And it's like exactly what you said, like they want to be grown, but they not. I'm like, it's so funny because when teachers are always like, oh, my gosh, I need, you know, support and advice. Like, what should I do for classroom management for sixth grade? I'm like, they're elementary. They're just bigger size little elementary people okay so keep it the same (laughs) way you would with elementary but anywho um okay so you mentioned that you ended up moving to a title one school so paint the picture for us as far as when you resigned in august okay Mm -hmm. what was the environment like at that school um Give us a little snapshot. Now, I will say, just full transparency, the school that I actually did my teaching in, drastically different than um, my Baltimore days. Like, I, being in Charleston, I was in a little neighborhood school. Um, It was the complete opposite. Um, Like, the population, the demographics, the socioeconomic status, like the complete opposite. Um, so with that comes a different set of, of issues, but what led to everything is pandemic teaching is not something, I mean, were we all, was anyone prepared? And I teach in such a way, like I teach how I learn and I can't stand to be bored. So I'm like, you know, I go to school and I'm like, this is, you know, we're going to have a good time. Cause if I'm having a good time, you're having a good time. Like the time passes and everybody's, everybody's great. And so that March we let out, what was that? March, 2021. Is that no 2020? Is that right? Yeah. March, 2020. Um, you know, it was that thing where it was like, Oh, we're shutting down schools. Foolishly. I was like, please we'll be back like this can't be serious I mean because no one really knew what we were about to to take on so that was like my last year teaching how I teach um you know and so it was like okay it was really weird but I was like I got this we're going to continue on my kids are very tech savvy I taught second grade um and we were basically a paperless classroom because I can't stand paper so they were just they were just on it so I'm like, okay. And then the next school year rolled around and it was still like, are we, are we still doing this? This is, this is strange. Um, they pushed the school year back a month for no reason because they had no plan. Um, so 
it just started off like everything about my last year was just problematic. Um, so they pushed it back a month with no plan, but they were like, we still want you to do state testing. So you can come in and we'll pay you to test. Like it just, it was a mess. And I'm like, so you're, it's an extra month off, but it's not because we're all still working, especially because we have no idea what's coming. Um, and then they're like, because of COVID numbers, not everybody's going to be in person. So who wants to teach virtually? And I was like, ah, not what I want to do. But if if somebody has to do it, I, I will. I found out the week before school started that indeed I was not going to be virtual. I was going to be in person, which unleashed this anxiety. I did not realize that I had because in my mind, I was like, okay, I'm going to teach virtually. I'm not going to have to be around people because I truly was not around people all summer because I was like, I don't know what this is, but I don't want it. So having such a short period of time to deal with the fact that I'm going to have people in my classroom, like little people in my classroom and second grade, I always joke they're walking germs on a, on a good school year, pre-pandemic. They're the cutest germs you'll ever meet. And so I'm like, okay, but they were like, it's going to be small group. You know, and I'm like, okay, small group to me is like 10, 12. I think when I started, I had 17 or 19 kids. I can't remember. It's all a blur. That is not a small group. That is a regular class. So with that, it's like, you know, and they're little and it's the mask and like, just, it made me realize, like, I'm like, I don't, the only time I get to, and they had the, um, the plexiglass up. But I was like, it's such a weird thing to be like, the only time I get to see their faces when they eat lunch. And you don't realize how much that takes away. I mean, you know, it's like, I can't joke with them. I can't high five them. Like we can't, there's so many things. And I'm like, this is their health. It's not just, you know, cause COVID was still really, really scary. There was no vaccine. So it's like, you know, and then I remember it was a couple weeks in um, one of my, my AP came in and she was like, well, I just, you know, want to talk to you. Like someone had complained that I was drinking coffee in the morning. That has been my routine for eight years. They were like, yeah, you know, I guess a kid went home and was like, she doesn't always wear a mask. And I was like, that's when I had my coffee, you know? And they're like, I know, but some of these families like to sue and I would hate for you to get caught up in that. And I'm like, are you serious? Like, you know, and it just, it was, it was, that was the tone for the year. It was like, are you're serious. I can't, what? <laughs> like, I get it. I get it. But this is ridiculous. Like, especially because you wanted your child to come to school for whatever reason. So now, you know, like I've got this pressure of paying attention to everything that I do. It's a very uncomfortable thing. Finding the right mask when you talk all day. Like the first day of school, I had an anxiety attack before the kids came in because it was like, oh my God, like, you know, it was still that fear where it's like, I may be exposing myself to death. I mean, it's dramatic, but it's like, that's what it was at the time. And it was like, <gasps> and I just couldn't take it, but it was like, all right, you know, and, and then it was just stuff all year, like... <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, and like I said, there's no group work. I was scared to like, cause you know, you always have one of those parents that's just, and I was like, 
I have to now protect myself. Clearly, someone likes to sue in here. <laughs> and I mean, you're not going to get much from me because I don't have a lot, but no one wants to go through it. So it was like, you can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do. And it eliminated like the razzle dazzle in my classroom. Like they couldn't check books out at the classroom library. Like they had to, it just everything. And I was like, this isn't fun. This isn't fun for me. And I can't imagine it's fun for the kids. Um, you know, and then towards the end of the year, oh, and my roster changed probably five times. Yes, yes, throughout the year. They would let kids pop in. And I was like, I, what is, because they were scared, I guess, to tell them no. So I had two kids join me on a Monday. And by Tuesday or Wednesday, one little girl decided it was much more fun to be virtual at home. So she decided she wasn't coming back. Then I had, like, it, it just was like, I joke that if my kids didn't know how to count before they came, they weren't going to. I mean, because there were holes in our, and I was like, I'm not changing everybody's everything. So it, we would, you know how you count to line them up. So it'd be like one, three, four, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, 13. I mean, <laughs> you know, and then like I, um, it just, it just was a lot. And parents were concerned about the wrong things. I was like, I'd like to talk because your kids obviously, you know, there were certain children they didn't come in, you know, for, or didn't dial in and, and zoom in. There were parents who I never got an emergency contact form for. Never. The entire year. There are parents I never saw. Like if I saw them in the street, if they weren't with their child, I'd have no clue who they were. I mean, and it just, it was such a disconnect that it was like, and my classroom has always been a family and that's always been my thing. So it was like, I don't even know you all, you know? And it's like, I only halfway know your kids because like, I'm now operating from a cautiousness I've never had to before. And kind of the straw that broke the camel's back is towards the end of the year. Um, there were some complaints about my personal opinions because June we were still in school and our governor, <laughs> who I don't think highly of, was like, we had like two or three weeks left of school. He was like, you know what? There is no mask mandate. Like kids can come to school with no mask. So now I have to police who sits next to who. And, and we all know how the seating chart is like, it's a lot already. So now I've got parents flooding me with emails like, can you not sit my masked child, you know, next to an unmasked child? And I've got this dilemma and it doesn't take into consideration their personalities and learning like it, it. So it's like it's this mess. And, you know, I remember going in. Oh, oh, oh. And he said it and there was no prep. Like, say he said it on a press conference on a Sunday night. Monday morning, kids were rolling in with no mask. And it was like, this isn't, this isn't my job. Like this part is not my job. Um, you know, and, and obviously I'm a very outspoken person and I posted that and, and people were frustrated. And, and then it was like, you can't say these things. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. So you don't pay me anything. I've been stressed to the max. And you want to control what I say publicly when it's not, to me, it's not offensive. It's my opinion. Like, 
I don't agree with what he's doing. I think it's counterproductive. It's the adults that are upset. These kids have gotten used to wearing a mask all year. What's two more weeks? Like, leave us alone, please. It has been the worst year of my teaching career. You know, and like, and I say that like in September or October, I was like, I can't do this. I decided to go to therapy in January. I mean, that's how absolutely I was like, my, this is such a dark cloud in my life. And it's such a big part of my life. I was like, I'm waking up trying to, you know, do the right things and take care of me at 4.30 so I can work out because I needed the endorphins. And then I wouldn't get home till like five or six. And then I'm exhausted because I've had to, you know, like it's all these things. And it's like, why am I doing this? Like, what is, what is happening? Like I'm in a dark spot and I love to teach. And I think sometimes when you hear about teachers quitting, you think it's their lack of love of teaching. Sorry, I'm getting emotional. It's not. It's all the other things. And it was like, you know, do it for the kids. And it's like, what about me? I'm drowning over here. And nobody cares. Nobody cares. Like, and it was like, I have to choose me. I have to choose me. I don't know what's next, but I can't live like this. Exactly. And... I appreciate you for sharing all of that. I can definitely feel your passion. And I mean, I just know right now, like people listening are already going to be inspired by it. And I love what you said. And that's why I always put on any type of video or even in my bio and headlines, like shamelessly choose you, like choose you, put yourself first. We do not have to sacrifice um, our well-being, our personal well-being for the kids. And with that, you know, I just really want to know when you were experiencing all of this, when did the initial thought come to your mind of like considering wanting to leave versus the time where you put in your resignation? Do you know what's crazy? And I look back, I have known because I came late to the game that like I wasn't going to retire from teaching because that would mean I'd have to teach till I was 80 because I didn't start until I was 33 and I was like that ain't the life I want to live um you know and I was like I feel like I'm growing in different ways um because I do have other I don't there's not many teachers that don't have side hustles so I've always had another job I've had to to pay my bills and a couple of years ago, I started to blog and do content creation and become an influencer. And then, gosh, was it during the pandemic, I decided to pick up photography because I'd been behind in front of the camera a lot and I decided to go behind it. So I was doing all these things and I, I could feel the shift. Ironically, that's so funny. Got my little dry erase board because I am a teacher at heart. They're all over my house. And a friend of mine was like, write your exit date right? So this was before the pandemic. She was like, write an exit date down. Just write it down because the universe tends to listen. Do you know what's crazy? Is I, <laughs> I wrote 8-2022 as my exit date. I mean, it happened to, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it wasn't like a conscious decision. Like I knew it was coming, but I didn't think it wasn't on my terms and I have, you know, control issues. 
<laughs> but I was like, whoa, whoa, God. Like I said, next year, like not, not this year. Um, so I knew it was coming, but like I said, I felt like my hand was a little bit forced and I felt like it's like, I don't have a choice. Like, I don't think I can take another year of this. I think the guilt of knowing that whatever roster, whatever kids I would have gotten, if I would have stayed, would have not gotten the best of me. Like, it was like, I, I gotta go. Cause I felt guilty even for the kids I had my last year. I was like, yo, like, yeah, they had a good time, but I'm like, I know what it should have been. And I know they only got a portion of me because I couldn't do the things. And I was like, do I want another class to only get 50% of me or whatever person I had that day? Like, um, so yeah, I, I knew it was coming. I've always known it was coming, but I didn't think it was coming so quick. <laughs> wow. You know, that reminds me too. Um, you said like the 50%, like your students were getting 50% of you. And that's that saying, you can't pour from an empty cup, you know? And so the fact that you were able to be so aware, like you're not at your best self that you could be for your students and you choosing to put your desire to want to stay with them kind of to the side so that they could receive something that someone that would be able to survive with the 100% in that kind of climate and culture and environment of teaching, you know, that speaks volumes definitely of your heart too. And so I would want to know a little bit more before we jump into the vlogging and talking about <laughs> content creation, which I definitely want to dive into because those are passion topics of mine as well. Um, I would love to know a little bit more about like your classroom and everything because you were saying that you were usually always a paperless classroom. Yes. And so like, I love that because I too um, tried to incorporate a lot of tools in my classroom um, that eliminated the use for me, the and that eliminated me having to stand at the coffee for whatever for however long and all that good stuff and I did at one point work on a blended learning campus which prepared mm -hmm. me very well for when we had to transition into the pandemic during that March 2020 because I know our spring break was like right around the corner and then they were like huh, you get a very long <laughs> spring break um, and I was like hallelujah but I didn't know what was coming. So anywho, I've always used a lot of tools. So I want to know, like, what tools did you use in your classroom? Like, what were kind of your holy grail tools that allowed you to go paperless? Um, Google Classroom, obviously, was, like, my absolute jam. Google everything. Like, the whole Google suite, I completely utilized. Um, and it was it was one of those things, I think, and I would see, because we were one-to-one. -one. Like, I was one of those that was like, I want a cart. So I was one of the classes that that had, um, I was one-to-one -one before the entire school was. Um, and a big part of that is because I just am horrible with paper. Like, I'm an organized mess is what I like to say. So I don't like paper because it's, it's just more for me to sit somewhere and forget about. Like, it's, you know, and... With kids that little, it's so much, like, it's, sometimes it's just checks, and it's like, oh, put it in the recycle bin, and then it's like, so I had always made a conscious decision um, that I was going to teach them, and, and so much of that is like, this is what their life is going to be, so it's not just, you know, a convenience for me, which I will admit it was, but it also was like, the point of teaching is to prepare them for their world, 
their world is this, you know, and so many teachers are like, I don't understand. And it's like, I get it. And it is hard to learn, but you're teaching them things that are mute. Like you're not making them productive because you're giving them these, these iPads to babysit them and their tools and there's so much they can do. So like I said, I mean, it would start small where, um, I would use a lot of graphic organizers. I would put them in, um, gosh, the Google Classroom, they'd fill them out. You know, and it was a process to teach them how to do this. This is seven-year-olds. I mean, and I forgot until like my friends would say something. They're like, oh my God, like, you know, that's not normal. And I'm like, no, it is normal. That's our standard in my classroom, you know? And um, it just, it is what it is. But we would get um, ice cream on Friday. So I taught them how to fill in like the Google, um, I made a survey and so they could fill it out. And it was, it, it just was very, a conscious decision for me to be like, these are the things that are in their world. So let me show them how to do it. So they learned, you know, I would teach them how to do a Google presentation. And then I also, cause this is me, I'm like, I'm going to show you a couple times and then I'm not going to help you. Like you've got to learn to figure this out and to watch some of the things that they did. I mean, I look back now and I'm like, holy smokes, like these kids were really doing things, especially too, because the, the class I had, um, the very last year, okay, backtrack, backtrack. I knew they were very advanced because it made it such an easy rollout when we had to go completely virtual. Like I would hear other teachers be like, oh my God, oh my God. And I'm like, my kids are fine. Cause this is, this is our world. Like there's nothing new. Like I can put things, gosh, what was the, um, I don't know how quickly there was, I can't think of the program. And I know that you probably know, like I would put all their assignments in there. I can't, I can't think what it is. It wasn't Google. It was something else. Um, Quizzies, Kahoot. No, it was, it was, um, class kick. God, it's going to drive me insane, but I have no, 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 I can't think of what it is. It'll come to me randomly and I'll blur it out. But, you know, and so, but they were ready. They were ready because I had prepared them for a few, because I was preparing them for the future in general, you know? And so it made it so much easier. But what was really funny is my last um, set of kids, they came to me and it was like, I could tell their teachers did not teach them about technology. And I had to start using paper again, which I cried. You know, I didn't actually cry actual tears, but it was like, oh my God, why can't you all figure this? Out? They just couldn't. And, you know, and, and like I said, it's one of those things where it's like, because no one prepared them. And I'm like, you all are doing such a great disservice. Also, that's another reason why I was like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Cause I'm like, what did y'all do with these kids last year? And please, I could not stand the excuse where they were like, they missed a half a year first grade. No, they didn't. We went to school until the end of March and let's call a spade a spade. We stopped teaching in May cause we have state testing and we do field trips and like we're closing shop. So they missed a month of good school. They should be able to do these things. like. You right. all weren't doing your job. And it wasn't fair to me to be like, how do you not do your job? And now I have to do twice my job. 
And I was having some of my students because we can't tutor our own students because it's like double dipping. So some of their previous teachers were getting paid extra to tutor them. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, this makes no sense. You didn't do your job last year. Now you get paid extra to do the job you didn't do. Like this doesn't make, there are no benefits for me being good. And when I tell you some of their tutors were like, wow, Angel, I can tell how much they've grown already. Do you know what like a dagger it's like? <laughs> that is, and it's like, but you're getting paid extra money because you get to tutor them after school. So I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm wondering if that tool was Class Dojo. No, I did use Class Dojo. It was where I put all their assignments. I cannot think. It's like Google yeah. Classroom, but we had switched it over because they had bought a subscription. I cannot think of what it is for the life of me. Hmm. I don't know what that one is. I definitely want to know, though. Um, have okay. So... <clears throat> I want to know why in the world did you learn about you having to be the in-person teacher when you were planning to be virtual? Why was that turnaround only a week for you to know before school started? Like, was any rationale provided to you as to why that was coming to you so last minute with a change in your assignment? Because of the numbers. Because they kept playing with numbers and how many numbers we could take for in-person like because we had to wait for COVID numbers and then it was like all right we can only have 20 percent of our population in school or like 25. so it was it was no fault and it's so funny like i probably would have quit my last year during the year if my administrator i mean my administration is amazing and i think sometimes they get the the short end of the stick because people are quick to be like oh my no no i can like my ap and my principal were truly my lifelines and they got it. Um, but they were learning about things seconds before we learned. Like it was that kind of system where the governor would say something and we would know what was happening in our classrooms the same time their parents were, which I thought was mad disrespectful. And people were like, you don't, you're not better. And I'm like, yeah, but I have to enforce these things. So it would be nice to get a heads up. But, but instead, you know, like, I'm behind the eight ball here. And and they had the same thing. So that's the reason I didn't know until so late. Because um, our population also has the benefit because they're financially fine. Um, a lot of our kids were being pulled to go to public, I mean, to private school because we were supposed to start in August. It was a last minute call by the governor to push schools back a month. These parents are like, what's happening? And they have the financial wherewithal where they're like, a lot of our kids got pulled to go to public, I mean, to private school, because then it was like, we know what we're getting. So yeah. that was that that was another enrollment, not just COVID numbers, but enrollment um, played a part in that. Got you. Okay, so... You mentioned as you were sharing about some of these families like to sue. Okay. Yeah. And then you also mentioned about, um, I can't remember exactly what you said, but you mentioned that the students weren't being told no because somebody was scared to tell them no. Right. So it sounded to me a little bit like the parents were kind of running the school. 
is that the right thing that I'm picking up or what's going on? Because I hear you too. You mentioned, you know, hey, they can easily take their talents to private school because they got the cash flow to do that. So were they like running the show? Yes and no. I will have to say, again, like our administration definitely did what could and should be done, but there were some parents that very much don't take no period. So if she said no, their friends are on the board. Like I personally know of children that I worked with, that governor that I spoke so not so highly of, that that was their, their they were friends, that was family friends. That's how entrenched and I don't know if I wanna say influential, but that's how connected some of our parents are. And I think because of that, they definitely, and it's not all of them, but they're, if they wanted to be a pain, there are some that definitely play that part. Um, and they will be a thorn in your side until they get what they want because no doesn't exist for them. <laughs> I already know uh, who you're talking about. <laughs> because, okay, there was one year. Um, so I've gone to a few schools because I was all like, we don't quit teaching. Just try a new school. It'll be better. No, it wasn't. Um, but anyway, one of the schools that I went to, uh, it was very interesting because a little bit about um, why I even got into education. I got into education through Teach for America. Mm -hmm. Stayed there after my two-year commitment. Still wanted to work in education. Still wanted to teach. So I stayed there, you know, up to eight years, like I was saying. And so there was one school... After my two-year commitment with TFA, basically you could go to the school of your choice if you wanted to, um, or if you wanted to go to another school in that district, you could. But the school where I was at for my two-year commitment was such a far commute from where I lived. So it was like an hour each way. <laughs> so I was like, this is not sustainable for me, and I, I don't want to do this anymore. So I did stay there a third year, and then I was like, okay, I want to go to a school that's closer to where I live. I want to teach over there. And I do teach on the outskirts. I do live on the outskirts of um, Houston. So I don't mm -hmm. live in the heart. So I'm out in the little suburbs or what have you. And I was like, oh, I really don't want to teach here because I do want to serve in Title I schools. I was a product of private school K through 12. So I was like, I don't want to do that. So um, I remember looking up like the district in my city or, or where I was. And they, were, they only had a handful of Title I schools. And I was like, I'm only reaching out to these principals. Da, da, da. So I get an opportunity at this one Title I school that is very rare for this little well-to-do district. And it was such an interesting experience. It wasn't a good one. I was only there for a year, then I left. But anyways, um, the way that the school was set up, it was like, 59% of the body fell into that Title I population. And the other percentage, I mean, engineers driving the Tesla, Benz, this, that. And boy, the level, like the experience there with when I was engaging with these parents versus these parents. And when you talked about suing, I remember there's this one lady, she threatened just about every teacher her daughter had from K all the way up to her fifth grade year of suing them and just putting fear in them, really making their job very stressful. 
And unfortunately, I did have to deal with that parent. And boy, I was like, absolutely not. I'm out. I did put myself first on that one. I was like, I'm not staying at this because unfortunately, I can't say the same. You were speaking very highly of your administration. But my administration there was not supportive in that um, situation because her student like had certain documentation, you know, that needed to be followed. And that parent just swore on her life that every single teacher that her child had was not following it to the T. And she was just ready to comfort people. And so she made people very miserable. She was well known in the whole school. Um, for just terrorizing teachers and it's really sad that they just allowed her to do that but I remember one of the administrators saying like she knows so and so on the board and they were very much so scared of her and because I couldn't figure it out like why aren't y'all putting a stop to this like she's terrorized all these teachers but that's why um so anywho I do want to say Let's go ahead and talk <laughs> before we talk about what you are doing now. This post that you made. So where did you post it online? Was this like, did you use your TikTok to do it or what social platform and how did they get a hold of it? Well, what's funny is um, I posted it. It's funny because I don't even like Facebook, but I had, you know, but that's, you know, you post whatever. Um and I guess someone saw it, not I guess, because they showed me and I was like, this is really weird. Also, let me say that the school that I worked in, um, probably for the first four or five years, I was the only black teacher of that. So there's, there's that. Um, but yeah, like they showed me these screenshots and some of this, I was like, whoa, whoa, someone has been watching me for a while. Um, which to me, I'm just like, get a life. Like, I really am not that interesting. I mean, I guess I am, and I need to quit saying that, but it's like, this is just too much. It's too much. It's too much. But a lot of our, I always feel like, and it's, it feels like a blanket statement, but it's not. Because like I said, I've had phenomenal parents partner with me for education. Like, but all it takes is like one like that's just, a, and you have at least one every year. Um, but like I said, I, somebody was like, let me see what angels doing. And, and that became their thing. And it was just like, this is seriously, you don't pay me enough. Like you don't own me. And that was my biggest thing. And it's like, I'm not doing anything detrimental to these children my politics and my opinions when it comes to certain things do not enter into the classroom um, because that's not my job. And, you know, kids talk about, and I'm like, ah, we're not going to talk about it. It's a very, we're Switzerland up in this room. Like we're very neutral, regardless if I absolutely disagree with what you're saying. Because of course they come in spitting the rhetoric, the mask rhetoric from their parents. And I'm like, listen, a rule is a rule. I have to follow it. You have to follow it. It doesn't matter what we think about, you know, but yeah, there was, there was at least someone, some ones, um, who just decided to, I mean, it got to the point where I was like, I don't, I don't trust any of you. All. And I just started blocking everybody. And I'm like, this is also not part of my, like, I shouldn't have to, like, I am grown, super grown. I'm 41. I have opinions. I can have them. <laughs> like, you won't ever, I won't ever think 
like a conservative white person. I'm not that person, you know? And it's like, that's not my life, you know? And so I think even that, and sometimes what I, what was my fault is I did not realize because with my social influencer platform, I forget sometimes like, you know, it's like, yeah, I guess I do have a ton of followers because I'm just me. And that's how I approach things. I'm not like, oh, but I dropped the ball because I forgot how many people really were watching me, if that makes any sense. So I can own that part, but I still am entitled to have my opinion. Like I, I will forever say that, but I think I was a bigger target because I had a bigger audience. And when you have more people listening to you, People are like, oh, we need to shut her up. 100%. And when you said that, so you were the only black teacher at the school? Not when I quit. Like um, two years. So my sixth year, um, we got another black teacher who legit, like we're still for, I mean, like we were across the hall. Like it was like, oh my God. Um and my former principal retired and we got a black administrator. So it was, and it, it's so funny that, and you don't think about it. And I talk about microaggressions cause girl, we went through a lot. My teammate and I came up with like this thing and a parent was like, um, Girl, she looked up what we said on the Urban Dictionary. And I was like, pause, and had the nerve to put it in an email to the principal. And it was like, if I were white, would you have looked up what I said on the Urban Dictionary? And you do realize that is not like Webster. Like, in, but <laughs> whatever. Um, but yeah, there were things that only I think the three of us could truly understand because we were all in the same position. Um, and it was nice to have my coworker. Cause not, you know, cause it's like our administrator, there's, there's tears to this. And like some, you know, sometimes it's like, she's the mama cause she's the principal. And sometimes it's like just two, us two sisters need to talk. We don't need to get the parents involved cause that's still our boss. And it, like I said, it's like the mama and you don't take everything to your mama in your, in your house. Like you're like, no, we gonna figure this out. And so it was really nice to have her because we had a lot of shared experiences and we're very different as far as like our demeanor and our spirit, but like we're the set, like it, it's this weird thing. Um, and it was like, I know you know what I'm talking about. And I know you yes. heard that and you heard it how I heard it because they're coming from black ears. Yep. So. Ooh, that, that same school that I was just talking about, one of the things too that made me be like, I'm out after this even one year with y'all is because I was one there was one other black person there other than me. And I just didn't want to put myself in that environment. Obviously when I was interviewing for the role, um, I didn't get to see everybody or they didn't have photos up on the website. So I didn't know what the staff looked like. I just knew that it was title one. I wanted to go there. And so that was definitely one of the things that also was like, nah, I'm out. And that comes from my experience of growing up K through 12 school. It was a private school. Again, I was always like one of the few black people in my class year after year after year. And that 
I was like, this is not happening to me anymore. Once I experienced that for so long, I was like, I don't want to be in that environment anymore. I just want to be around my people, folks that look like me. I just want that. And there's nothing wrong with that. And that's what I want. And so um, I literally swore, like, after I graduated high school that I never put myself in that kind of environment again. And so when I had to work in that type of environment, I was like, this ain't for me. Goodbye. Um, But anywho... I really want to pivot into talking about what you're doing now. So I know you have a blog. I yes. see that you offer tutoring. Yes. You work with brands as an influencer. You sell t-shirts. You do photography. <laughs> you do a lot. So like, how did you get started in all these different things? Let's, I guess, start there. Um, I've always been a writer. Like it is, it is one of my things. Um, ironically, like the blog to where it is today was inspired, like by my girlfriends, like we were in Europe and they were like, you need to do this. And I was like, girl, bye. <laughs> no. And so I came home and I did it. And then I had my former administrator. She was like, you know, Angel, you really are good at what, like you have a way of, of with words. And I was like, all right, all right, let me take myself a little seriously. Let me do this. Um, you know, and I played around for a little bit and then there was one summer I was like, girl, I was ready to cry trying to switch my site over to like, to be for real, um, to the site that I've got now with, you know, life of an angel.com where it's not like blog spot or whatever. Um, you know, and I started to share things and it was, it took a while because I kept my worlds very separate. And I think that was deliberate um, because I'm well of what, I, because of what honestly happened at the end. That's why for so long I kept them separate. But then I was like, no, I think I'm, my story is almost like testimony to these kids to be like, you can do lots of things. You know how kids will be like, I want to be the president and the football player and a surgeon. And you like, but it like, what? But then I'm like, Angel, you are showing them you can do lots of different things, you know? And it's like, and it was a teaching point. It was almost like, you know, cause you gotta finesse the kids into doing, you know, and getting them excited. But it was like, I teach you all writing, but I write for fun. And um, probably a couple years in, I was like, okay, like we would do, I would let them be a, go, a guest blogger. So I would have, and I'm like, whoever writes the best this, I'll post it on my website, um, you know, so you will be on the blog. But I only did that a couple of times. And then it was like, because that class and their parents, I knew it would work. Um, definitely, I wasn't doing that my last year. Like, I'm like, I don't want y'all in my business anymore. Like, so it was, and those are the things I had to give up based on, you know, whatever. But um so yeah, I started my blog and then I started working with like local photographers and businesses. And then I got bored. It's so awful. Like it was like, oh, these are pretty pictures, but like, I'm not excited. And I made two, like they're two of my best friends now. They're both photographers, but they're more artistic and edgy. And I remember like I would take pictures with them and my mom would be like, I don't really like those. And I'm like, those are my favorite because it's very much art. Like you have to think about it. And it wasn't always obvious. It wasn't, 
oh look she's so cute in her dress nah like it's it's a little grittier um and so I decided because of them and with their encouragement to pick up a camera like one of it's my friend Rashad he was like here here's my extra camera take it shoot around play with it um and I did and then finally I was like all right it's time he's like ah I gotta sell my camera you know because it's extra and I was like all right I went and bought mine and I was like let's let's do this um and yeah influencing is always kind of ebbed and flowed like with that working with the local companies but it's I mean sometimes I look and I'm like it's a it's a little bit crazy I don't I got here obviously on purpose but kind of by accident <laughs> okay so um your blog is do you consider it to be a lifestyle or what kind of category I do consider it lifestyle I just because you know I I I don't like limits so it's like uh like I'll talk a little bit about fashion I do still talk about education and it's since I've quit it's I've been trying to figure out what I want to do with that um, because my take is very, very much different. Like I don't, <clears throat> I want to tell my truth, but I don't want it to seem like she's anti-education, even though I am with certain aspects because <clears throat> I'm still a teacher and there are still things like, and I still have a passion for teaching, but now I'm in this different, I don't know. So I'm, I'm still tinkering around with what I want that to look like. Um, but I definitely write about whatever, like I just wrote a little thing about creating a vision board because that's a real thing that I, that I do. I've talked loosely about dating in an abstract kind of way. Um, I, last year when I started therapy, I was very, very transparent about that process. Um, especially cause I think black people don't seek out the mental health, um, they don't consider it part of their health. And, and I wanted to be like, I, you know, I had no idea what I was doing when I, when I got started, but I wanted to start the conversation that you don't have to be broken or something. You know, you, you don't have to be crazy to have a therapist. Sometimes it's nice just to bounce things off. So I, you know, I share about those things. I like to just share about what's going on in my world. Okay. I love that. And so with the blog, I know you were saying that you kind of don't believe in putting limits around it and kind of being boxed in. So are you someone who doesn't really believe in niching down? I struggle I with a that. Niche, that's so popular. <laughs> I struggle with that because I'm like, oh, I think it would be beneficial if I did. <clears throat> but I just don't like it's who, there's something I saw. I'm multi-passionate. So it's very hard to be like, don't talk about these other things. It's a struggle. It's, it's a constant struggle for me. Um, <clears throat> so I, I've not completely niched down. I will say not so much with my blog, but with some of my social platforms, like I realize that my TikTok audience is different than my like Instagram audience. So I have to change things a little, which is funny because I'm like, ah, like it would be so much easier if everybody was the same but I mean it's just a slight difference but I think I was talking to one of my friends and I think what I have to realize is my niche is telling my story and 
once you do that, you don't have to be like super like I only talk about. Because I was like, I don't want to just talk about teaching because I do, like I'm a whole person that does other things. And let's be honest, I say bad words and like I listen to trap music. Like I don't want to be like, you know what I'm talking. You know, the teachers where it's like everything is pink and bubbly. And it's like, yeah, I can be like that. But also know that that's not some of that is how I teach. And some of it isn't like I taught my kids. It was always like, what can I teach them where everybody's happy? And like, um, we would do a callback. I taught them the Rough Riders anthem. It was right after DMX died. But it was to encourage them to read. So like, I would play the instrumental and they were like, stop, drop, shut them down, open up shop. Oh, that's what book readers, like, listen. But that's, but that's what, yeah, like, you know, but that's who I am as an educator. So I'm not this like unicorns and rainbows. Like, no, like I want to infuse what I love. I'm a product. Like I grew up poor black and I loved rap music. Like, so how can I somehow, there was a, there was a year where we, um, remember when Ludacris did the llama llama, he read it to that beat. We would do that during snack and they would sign up. And it taught them to read. Like they got like, and it, they would get the mic and it was like, llama llama, red pajama. You know, like, but that's who I am. And it's, it doesn't always translate well because I'm not the traditional, you know, cardigan. You, you, you know what I'm talking about, especially in the South where everybody is sounds so awful everybody kind of looks the same I'm not white I'm not blonde I don't not all my things are monogram like I I'm I I'm different but I also feel like my students need to see that like not everybody's the same yes if y'all knew what I listened to on the ride in here you might judge me but that's what I like to listen to it doesn't affect my effectiveness as a teacher because I I will always joke I'm like think what you want but look at my look at my kids' numbers. Like they always grow, and they always not just on on state tests, but even as people. And it's like that's the point of teaching. And I would tell them, I taught like like I lived, and I would tell them I'm a teacher, not a judge. So if you mess up, I I mean, depending on the math, like we're gonna talk this through, but we all mess up. And, and I think because of that, I had a classroom culture, but I also am well aware that's not necessarily the culture of the world because it's very easy to judge. And I, yes. we just got off on a tangent, my bad. <laughs> no, that's fine because it sounds like your classroom was a very safe space, which is definitely what all of our students need. And um, with that, I definitely agree with you. I honestly like to call what you described um, as the like te- like unicorn bubbly teacher or whatever I described that as the reign of the Instagram teacher and it was so funny because I not only do I have like my TikTok for the podcast but I have like my own TikTok that's linked to um like my consulting business and everything like that and I was on somebody's live the other day and like we're mutuals like she followed me I follow her and she was talking about all these new teachers have joined TikTok. Like, where did they come from? And I commented and I was like, that's those Instagram teachers. You know, they're a different type. That's a different breed. And it really is, in my opinion, like 
that's a hill I'm going to be dying on because the Instagram teacher, that's why I really, I don't really rock with Instagram that hard. I really love like TikTok, not mm-hmm. only because it took off for me, um, like in June when I started my other account, but it's just a different type of platform. You show up. I feel that on TikTok, I feel so free. Like I just show up with a whole different energy. And I really found no joy in posting on Instagram. Like it was like, okay, post on Instagram because you know, use social media, drive leads to your business, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But on TikTok, it's fun for me to show up on that platform. And it's just a whole nother level of authenticity on that platform where, where you just don't get that on Instagram. And I've noticed like so many Instagram teachers have been migrating over to TikTok. And no, you know, go ahead if y'all want to, but it's a different type of animal over here. It's like perfectly curated feed and, and the way y'all show up is not <laughs> how it is over here. <laughs> so it's like, please keep that over there. Yeah. Um, but anyways, I digress. I really want to know a little bit more about, um, you know, your content creation journey and like you working with these brands and everything like that. So is that something that you already knew that you wanted? Like, was that your end goal when kind of like setting up your blog and everything like, okay, to be an influencer, work with these brands and everything like that, or they just started reaching out to you and you were like, Oh, I like this. Yes. It was more the latter. I had no idea what I was doing when I started. Um, and then it was just like, Whoa, Again, it was like people are paying attention and they want to work with me. And I've been, um, and I used to joke. I was like, y'all, I've had two jobs since I was 16. I'm tired. This is tired. I'm 41. And I wrote my exit date and I joked with them. I was like, because they're like, I was like, I want to be a lady that lunches. And they're like, Angel, what are you talking about? I'm like, you know them people. You have no idea how they make money, but they pay their bills and they seem happy. That's what I want to be. And so when I started to really take influencing seriously, because it's also like a dirty word to be like, I'm an influencer. Because there's things that, and I'm like, and again, I'm not that person. Like, I'm like, I'm a real, like, I'm, you know, I have a slight social anxiety, and you never know. Um, But sometimes, like, I'm like, I can't go. There's too many people. (laughs) I can't people today. Um, But you would know, because once I get in a space, I can find my my zen or whatever. But, um, But yeah, I was like, you need to start taking yourself seriously, sis. Like, there's money out here. Go get it. Um, And so I started to work with brands. And even still, like, I was like, y'all, I've kind of gotten spoiled. Because a lot of times they come to me. Um, but now that I'm in this new space where it's like, you ain't got no regular check. Like I've got to sell myself a little bit more and, and kind of finesse and, and go up to them. And I'm still working on it. I'm still working on it. Cause it's, I'm like, I don't know how men do this with dating. Cause I'm like the pressure, the pressure. Um, but yeah, I just, like I said, leaning into the fact that it's like, people are listening to you. They do care. Um, Cause sometimes I'm like, do y'all, especially like on my Instagram stories, cause you know, the feed is pretty. That's, it does what it does. But my stories are where I get to show up is what I always joke. And, um, you know, there would be times it, Instagram is very much, I, I don't know. It just, it, it triggers me sometimes like, cause it's like a competition. 
Um, but in my stories, I get to just kind of show up. But sometimes I'm like, I don't want to do any of this. I don't, I don't want to show my face. I don't want to look cute. I, I don't, I don't, I don't. I don't, I want, I don't want to worry about who my hashtags and my engagement. But in my stories, I would show up. You know, and every once in a while, like, I'd be like, I just can't. And then people would DM me. Like, I got one the other day. It was, like, a guy that I, um, we were friends in college. Like, cool. And he says, jokingly, he was like, I hate life. He was like, but I look forward to your stories. He was like, I know that you're going to make me laugh. And it was one of those things. Sometimes I forget. Because people don't always give you feedback. And it's me talking to my phone. in somewhere in my house, like, being angel. But sometimes it's like, does anybody care? And the moment I say that, or the moment I pull back, like my DMs will be like, yo, where are you at? Like, you good? Like what's what's wrong? Or, you know, I do look forward to what you have to say and you have such a positive energy. And it, it gives me something because it's like, all right. But I'm like, y'all don't understand. Like, this is hard. Like it's, yes, it looks fun. And, and, and it is a lot of times. And I've been blessed with certain opportunities, but it's like, there are days where you're like, does anybody care? 100%. That reminds me too, like the influencer space. I love it. I spend so much time actually like watching YouTube. And at one point, initially when I was like, oh Lord, I don't want to do this teaching thing any longer. I was like, Lord Jesus, just help me to blow up on YouTube. Like some of these other people and just secure the bag effortlessly. Like, come on, Jesus. Yeah. That was not my path. <laughs> but I remember I stopped making my um, videos because my channel was centered all around teaching and stuff. And so I stopped making videos for a while. And this was when I was getting my master's from Johns Hopkins. Like I was telling you and I was like, I just need to focus on this. You know, my little hobby or whatsoever of doing this YouTube is going to be on the back burner. And like around this time last year, I picked back up and someone commented on my post. They were like, where have you been? You're needed in this space. I was like, where was y'all at when, you know, <laughs> you know, those years ago when I was pu pu pushing out these videos, trying to make my influencer dreams come to life that didn't pop off at all. Um, but yeah, 100%. Like there are people checking for you. Folks, listen, like for me, and I show up online just because it's like connected to how I make money outside of work as an administrator. And so to like get more eyes on my business, so to speak, and get more um, clients, I'm like showing up online and stuff like that. And, you know, I'll have certain people and they'll be like, hey, I want to work with you. And like they fill out the application, but they're not even following me. So there's people who are watching your every move who aren't even following you, who are soaking up your videos, your advice, yes. your posts, and they aren't even following you. So keep showing up 100%. Um, I want to know how often you post your blog posts. Like, do you do it every week? Or like, what's your cadence and rhythm with that? <laughs> it's all over the place. I am trying to do better. And I'm like, it's a new year. So once a week is, is the goal. Um, like I said, Last year I did all right, but then when all this stuff happened, I truly completely retracted and retreated. Um, like I just didn't want to be in the public space, but now I'm like, all right, it's a new year angel. Like let's, so like, I'm, I'm so excited. I'm like, plus it's, it's like with all things, if you don't do it, it becomes harder and harder. Um, 
So I'm like, all right, once a week, I've already written my blog post for next week. Um, usually post on Monday, you know, promote it throughout the week. Um, you know, and once I get that down, cause sometimes I go, I'm on or off. I'm, which is problematic sometimes. Cause I'm like, yeah, don't, don't overshoot this. Like start with once a week. And once that gets that down, you know, I'm sure I'll be writing more. And then it's like, okay, maybe twice a week. But for right now, it's once a week. I usually post on Monday mornings and ride that out during the week. Okay, so what's been your favorite brand partnership thus far? Um, gosh, that's... You know what? And it's this is also another reason why I was like, uh, I'm towing the line. I worked last Black History Month with Wicked Weed Brewing. That's another thing. I started a whole drinking page, but it's not, it's not me just all consuming alcohol. It's just, it's called what's in her cup. So it's a matter of what I'm drinking, period, whether it's coffee, whether it's a cocktail, um, whether it's tea, what, whatever, some green drink that I tried a smoothie. Um, and I wanted to do that. Also something that was like taboo as a teacher. And it's like, yo, I'm 41. Like, you know, you, I've been drinking for two decades. Like, but you're not supposed to, whatever, whatever. I digress. But so I worked with Wicked Weed Brewing on, they created a, it was like Black is Beautiful um, draft beer. And so I got to take pictures with that. And it was just, it was really cool. And I think at the time, because it was, was it last year? It was just an experience to be like, oh my God, like I can offer this. And, and, I got to have all my worlds kind of marry. Like I created, like I, cause I'm queen DIYer. Um, so I created this crown that I wore and like, you know, I took my own picture. So it was my photography. Like it was, it was also really cool. Um, and it was cool to be a part of that, to be like, you know, this company is, is really leaning in with, with, promoting diversity which is in the influencer space is not necessarily a thing that exists too so that was that was fun that was oh and then there was this thing with coca-cola but that was a whole like experience like i had to cook something and then they had like this party and girl i love to eat so anytime there's like food i was like yes so that was that was a good time um cooking the because I don't like to cook. Cooking the things was not a good time. I mean, I followed the recipe, so that was fine. But then getting to go to the party, it was like, yes. Like, and chefs got to cook for me. Like, I love a reason to eat and get dressed up. So that was that was another fun one. What did you have to cook for Coca-Cola? Like, it was this, um, I can't even remember. Like, it was like, I can't, I can't steak was involved. And like, like it was, I don't even remember, it was a couple years ago, um, you know, and you had to go to the grocery store and buy all the things, you know, and it was, it was fine. It was like, I gotta cook. <laughs> okay. Okay. I get it. You know, and show the Coke, the Coke was the good part, but the cooking, I was like, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna, I got this. I got this. Got you. Okay. So, um, when it comes to the partnerships, you're saying like now you're starting to pitch them a little bit, but usually what it's been is like them coming to you. Yes. Yes. 
Okay, and so have you like taken any courses or like how have you kind of learned to navigate this space of pitching brands? Trial and error. <laughs> got you, got you. That's, that's the story of my life. It's trial and error. I mean, it really is, um, you know, and sometimes I'll slide in their DMs and I'm like, hey, who can I reach out to? Or sometimes it's a matter of knowing someone like, you know, I've got a lot of friends in this space. So I'll be like, Hey, do you have a connect for this brand? Or like, you know, tagging them. Like it's, it's a song and dance and it's still, I by no means know, but I find that some of those courses, Maddie James, I used to, I used to love, but she's, she's kind of stepped away from because of the backlight. Like, but you know, she would have those weekly little like lives. And I'm like, note to self, note to self. And TikTok, when I tell you like, there are some gems that are dropped on there. And it's like, all right, even not so much about pitching, just in general about strategy. So I, I'm, I'm queen of like taking it all in. And I'm a reader. So it's like, that sociology degree does come in handy when it comes to this. I mean, but it's, it's definitely trial and error. There is no foolproof way and I don't I by no means am an expert okay um so you talk about my girl Maddie Jane love her like literally 2017 maybe even before 2017 like I found her and oh my god I was like Maddie James I mean like she was sharing just so many great you know tips and advice and everything and I remember like this was at the point where I remember when I would go on her blog, it was pink. I think it was maybe that millennial pink that they like to say, which I'm a millennial, so whatever. But And pink's still my favorite color, and I rep proudly. And it's all over my website right now. But I loved Maddie James because it was called Maddieology at that point. And so Maddieology before she became Maddie James. But what in the world happened? What's the backlash? Because I'm not familiar with this. What's going on? Well, I feel like it was like last year she offered a course. And it, I mean, it wasn't cheap. But she's, you know, and people were like, this is the same thing you've already told us for free. Like it just was, I, I don't think it went over well. And, and you know, it's, she's like, I don't need this. I don't need this. Like people were upset because they didn't feel like they got any more from her course than they already have gotten from her for free. Um, and I get that when you pay for something, you do expect, you do expect more. So I, like I said, some people seemed okay with it, but there were definitely people that were like, we, we thought you were going to give us more. We already know this stuff because you told us. Okay, cool. Um, I am familiar with that. I'm in her boss fluence group. Oh, and I remember all the stuff in the Facebook group popping off, da 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 da, da and they were saying whatever. Um, I don't remember that. And that was different because I remember that was her gearing up to launch her, maybe it's the coaching program where mm -hmm. it was like four-figure investment, 100% of them learning just basically how to pitch brands and all that stuff like she has done successfully. Um, but what they were having a fit over, I remember, was the, um, I don't know if she called it a masterclass or a workshop or something. And she like did Pitch Please? I think Pitch Please was the four-figure investment. One, oh, right? okay, okay, okay. I, I don't know. I feel like it was all around the same time, so I'm not sure, but. Well, it definitely was all around the same time. And before she opened up the doors to Pitch Please, it was um, some little course or workshop she used to 
basically pitch that door's opening for Pitch Please, and it was $97, and $97. And I remember people were like, oh, free lives or this is the same as the free lives i played 97 i was just like so okay i'm up to date then i'm up to speed that's what happened okay i was like did something else pop off no, I don't no, know. no that was it yeah i i used to love her um her wednesday live videos so but anywho um i heard too she's not opening doors to that program anymore um but that's because she wants to just focus on her being the best influencer she can be, which I right. think is interesting. But her and Maya, they kill it out there. I mean, they are such an inspiration to me in this space. Okay. So I want to talk a little bit about photography. Okay. I just want to know how you got started in that. I know the friend gave you the camera and you were using the camera before he sold it and then you bought your own. But are you pretty much like self-taught? Absolutely. Self-taught. Um, and I started out, so that was during when we were like seriously quarantining. At least I was. The rest of Charleston was still outside. Um, but so my self-portraits were my thing. So in DIY, like backdrops. So I would, um, you know, set up my garage and like create a backdrop and then I would take my own pictures and it's, it's so funny how, and I would joke, because they're like, oh my God. And I'm like, y'all, I cried. Because like taking your own pictures with an actual kid, it, and I'm spatially challenged, like real talk. Like it is not my strong suit. Don't give me no mat. Like that is, so it was really hard for me because like I was looking at an app through my phone and it's like, I need to move to the right, but it's actually the left. Like it just, and getting, when I am shooting someone else, I can move. When you're shooting yourself, you have to move or you have to stop and go move the camera. So it, it was just a different, a different beast of a thing. And so I did that in a lot of product photography. So I would take things around the house and just, you know, shoot them. Um, and like I said, they definitely put the battery in my back and they're like, yo, like Angel, like, I don't think you realize how good you are. And I'm like, shut up, y'all are just being nice because you're my friends. And they're like, no, like your brain works so differently than ought. Like, you know, and it, it made me realize and it was like, yeah, I guess I do have a different vision about things. Like they were like, I would have never thought about doing that or I would have never done that. And these are people that I respect that have been in the game far longer. So I was like, all right, let's delve into that. And just the other day, Rashad had called me and I was like, yo, like, because I've been in this like hustle mode, I've lost a little bit of my creativity. I always call, I'm in survival mode and it's hard to be creative when you're surviving because this is, you know, I jumped with no net, but I was like, I need to get back to that. And legit, like, I was looking at some stuff. I was like, I think I'm about to make a, a backdrop. I'm going to go to Lowe's, pick up some things and like knock it out. Um, and, and see where it goes. But a lot of that is trial and error. Um, but it excites me and it, it works my brain in a different way and I get to be creative and there's nothing more magical. And this is, photography is like, like even when I shoot for other people and I like deliver their like gallery of proofs and they're like, yo, it is such a like, I, I, I don't know how to describe, like it's such a feeling to be like, you, you like that, you like that because you did it. And they're like, angel these are sick and i'm like for real like it's it's the ultimate compliment so that's that's definitely kept me hooked 
Um, and like I said, I just forget because it's a part of who I am. Like, you know, when I take a picture, they're like, yo, or I'll be like, do this. They're like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, you, like there's things I know I take for granted. And that's what I'm having to learn to lean into. And I'm like, you need to teach people. You're always, I will forever be an educator. So now I'm like, how do I teach people these things that I know that I take for granted? Cause it's a part of who I am. So, yeah. Yes, 100%. Um, I want to know about your photography business as far as like, what are the tools that you use to support um, with your business? Cause I saw like you're, you use HoneyBook, right? I do use HoneyBook. HoneyBook's Love legit. HoneyBook so much. Literally their biggest fan. But what else do you use? Um, Pass Gallery is where I, Pass is pretty incredible. Um, and they offer so much for free. Cause you know, if I ain't got to pay, I don't. Um, so I will upload um, online galleries to there. Um, you have the option to like buy prints off of that. Um, I mean, I've got my lighting. I get everything off Amazon. Look, if I could order a husband, he'd be prime and I'd get him in two days. I mean, like, but like my lighting I order from there. Um I have a Canon M50, which I absolutely like. It's it's my heart. Um, upgraded the lens. I've got two lenses. My 50 is my favorite. Um, and let's call a spade a spade. Some of those pictures are from my iPhone, and I don't have the newest. And I'm trying to tell myself I don't need to upgrade, but Jesus, it's hard. Because I'm like, ooh, this cinematic. I'm like, Angel, that's how you get. You know what you spend on phones, but I digress. But yeah, so it's it's a little bit of everything. And sometimes it's, I think people think you have to have all this stuff and you don't. Um, like I said, there, there are pictures, some of my favorites are from my iPhone in front of some natural light, like, and let's call a spade a spade. But so yeah, those are, those are all the kind of tools. And I, I'm quick to use whatever around my house. Like I will pull my real plants and be like, I need you for this shot. And like, so sometimes it is just pulling what you already have. Love that. And um, definitely agree. A lot of people can put a lot of excuses and say, I don't have this and that. Just start with what you have, where you are, okay? Um, now, before we wrap up, I want to talk a little bit about a recent post that I saw you put on your Instagram, okay? Okay. And so we've been talking about content creation. We've been talking about influencer space and blogging and all that. And I saw that you posted a reel. And on the reel, you were talking about when companies lowball Black creators to create uh -huh. Black History Month content. Let's go ahead and unpack that a little bit more because that definitely does happen. So go ahead and speak on it. Well, I just, in this space, like um, another creator I met for uh, coffee the other day was our co-working. And just in conversation, for one, um, I have realized in this space, people don't talk numbers. Um I don't know. I do know why, but sometimes I'm like, oh my God. Um, and I, I don't know if it's a woman thing because I find, or if it's the industry. Cause like I can talk with my guy friends about photography and like what I charge and they tell like, and it's, it's no big deal. But in this influencer space, I will say most of the influencers I know are women. So I don't know if it's the space or if it's the, the, 
the fact that we're women where it it's kind of we're kind of tight-lipped um but i think in general like you just pay attention and there is a um disparity on how much they want to pay us and then there is this you know being sometimes i feel like companies tout that they're diverse like it's like i know in charleston like there's a joke where it's like they only pick one or two black people and it's the same one or two black people and those are the black people where they're like look we got black people and it's like no there's you how many of us are out here um so i think sometimes it's trendy especially you know like last year it was very trendy to be like look at us black history look at our black creators um and that's all fine and all but it and there are some companies that truly truly believe that let me also say that but then you've got those that'll ask you next week two weeks from now and be like yo i need some black you know like they'll pitch to you and be like hey can you and you're like, yo, I got a two week turnaround. Like, that's really not a lot. Or, you know, it's like a last minute ask. And it's like, can we, but we want this before the end of the month. So it's, it's this, I don't know. And it's like, ain't no way, ain't no way your budget is this low where you can't pay me what I deserve. Um, especially knowing that I think as black creators, we're already probably not getting the cut that we're due. So, but yeah, um, that last minute, and then it's like, hurry up, hurry up. I'm a wait, 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 hurry up. We need you. And it's like, you need me. Like, hey, and then you don't want to pay me. This don't make no sense. This don't make no sense. So yeah, that's, that's my, that's my take on that. I've not necessarily had a huge bad experience, but I've definitely watched and in conversations, I know it's happening probably more than we want to admit. Oh, 100%. Um, you know, <laughs> as I've been on TikTok, and I have multiple TikTok accounts, but with the one TikTok account that I have that I use under my like personal name, that one right there, I get people like companies all the time sending me messages and stuff, and immediately I'm like, "What's the budget? Run it up! Like, <laughs> what are we paying?" And, you know, I'll put it in professional and throw my little media kit in there and this, that, and the third. And some of them, when they come back, they're like, we don't have a budget for influencer campaigns. Cool. Well, hit me back up when you have the budget because this is not free 99. People don't understand. And some of them do understand. They just, that's just how they are. But um, some of them don't really understand that, we are doing this a lot of the times on our own. The pre-production, the ID, the ideation, even before the pre-production happens, the production, the post-production. Um, if you were to run a, a regular commercial, okay, what you gotta pay for? You gotta pay for makeup, hair, the videographer, the photographer, X, Y, and Z. And it's like, so I really have no problem charting these brands for all they have confidently and if they can't meet my rates goodbye see me again when you can and that's just me <laughs> but also i really um i was like an econ major in school and so i i really love like the business of it all it's really fun mm -hmm. too I, I like to like pitch them and just see what it is like i'm somebody on the apprentice or um shark tank or something like that but 
Yeah, 100%. Don't let them lowball you, especially, you know, it's February, but I guess you month coming up. So we watching out there if you're a listener who is in this content creation space. Um, I have really enjoyed my time um, interviewing you today, Angel. And for those who are listening, where where can they find you online? Where they, can they connect with you? Um, all my social media platforms is Life of an Angel underscore if life of an angel underscore for instagram because you know my actual tag was taken but tiktok it's life of an angel pinterest it's life of an angel and then my blog is www.lifeofanangel.com so try to make it easy and and one name across all the twitter life of an angel thank you for listening to the teachers who quit podcast Keep listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Subscribe and leave us a review to get a shout out on our socials. And remember to shamelessly choose you.